0: It is a nice, beautiful, sunny day, right? Amen. Amen. Well, have you heard the phrase, a mile wide and an inch deep? Now, I always used to say it the other way around, and when I Googled it, it came up this way, so I guess the internet's right, right? But a mile wide and an inch deep, and you know where that came from. Are you familiar with that phrase, the, the beginning of it, and... Uh, when, when I found that out, I thought, okay, the Internet's right, because I do have it wrong, because the phrase refers uh, to the Platte River located out in the Midwest. It goes a lot through Nebraska and a few other of the Midwestern states, um, and in 1889, uh, a pretty Successful American journalist by the name of Edgar Nye, very distinguished man, coined the phrase as he described the Platte River as a muddy, wide, shallow, meandering stream with a swampy bottom. The characteristics of which made it too difficult to ever be used as a major navigation route. Nye wrote that the river had a very large circulation, but very little influence. That's an interesting statement. Uh, It covers a good deal of ground, but it is not deep. In some places, it is a mile wide and three-quarters of an inch deep. Thus, the phrase was born. So what does it mean? a mile wide, an inch deep. Well, it's not meant to be a compliment, certainly, not by any means. It's used in politics, business, education, and other areas to describe people who have a lot of knowledge, but who at best have an only superficial understanding of that knowledge. Recently, the phrase has also been used to describe the, the church today and even more indicting, those who call themselves believers. Now, we're not going to dig into that part of it this morning, but today I want you to think of this phrase a mile wide, an inch deep in terms of relationships, relationships, if you are going to grow and mature as a follower of Jesus, if you are going to become more like Jesus, you cannot be a mile wide, an inch deep, in your relationships within the church. Just can't be. In other words... When we talk about somebody who in their relationships is a mile wide and an inch deep, oh, they may know a lot of people, but they don't know them well. They may know that they sit in this seat every week or in that section, a couple of rows every Sunday, but they don't really even know their name. A mile wide, an inch deep. And as we talk about this morning, uh, you and I must develop significant relationships, deep relationships within the community of Christ followers that we call the church, specifically the local church, your local church. And we must grow deep In our relationships with one another. That's where we're going this morning. Deep in our relationships with one another. Now, just a quick review about where we were last week. Remember our strategy, our game plan, we talked about it for accomplishing our mission. If you wanted to boil it down, just up deep and out, we talked about uh, we. As a church, Heritage Baptist Church, exists to make more people more like Jesus, we will do that by uh, growing up in our relationship with God. We talked about worship last Sunday, and we're going to talk today, we will do that by growing deep in our relationships with one another, that's community, and we're going to dig into that this morning. And next week, we'll get to the growing out in our relationship with the world as we talk about evangelism. We talk about outreaches. We talk about sharing the gospel with those who do not know Jesus. So what is community? Well, it's it's one of those words that's harder to define and easier to describe and explain. It's not a word, community itself, that you'll find in the Bible as it is that word, but all kinds of words that, that support the use of community, maybe a more relevant term today. It is the church being what God designed it to be. As we say often, it is the church being the church. That's community. Community is the fellowship. The close-knit communion that the church experiences and shares together because of our common faith in Jesus Christ. We share that experience together because of our common faith in Jesus Christ. Now, that's the foundation of it. It's growing deep in your relationship with other followers of Jesus in your local church. The idea here is we want to develop deeper relationships, not more. Not more. That doesn't mean you can't know more people. It's not saying that. But in that, I mean, we, we know sociologists, researchers who study all that, say so you can only have so many close friendships. Um, we can we can know the names of all kinds of people. I, for years, 29 years actually, taught at the Word of Life Bible Institute. <clears throat> and I always worked hard at getting to know the names of the people in the class. You have to work at it, but it can be done. Sometimes, you know how that goes, right? You, you don't remember names, and it's hard. But you have to figure it out. You have to, and I'd have all these what do they call mnemonic devices? And to try to remember, and and uh, I, I would try to. Th- but but you have to work at it. But even at that, at best, maybe I knew their names. 140 students, and I might have known 30 by the end of the week. Really, could call them by their name, but I didn't know them, right? I didn't know them. It, it, I knew a name. And in the church, many times it's the same way. We need to grow deeper in our relationship with one another because it's a whole lot more important than just a classroom with students or an auditorium full of people. We must know people in a deep, understandable way. I want you to open your Bibles with me, if you will, to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. Uh, verses 41 to 47, and uh, we're going to look just a little bit here at uh, where we get this idea of community. Acts chapter 2, starting at verse 41. Now, if you don't have a Bible with you or your tablet or phone and and would like to hold the Bible in your hands underneath the chair in front of you, there should be one close, page 759 in that Bible. Under the chair in front of you, page 759, Acts chapter 2, starting at verse 41. Now, this is the end of Acts chapter 2. And what happened at the beginning, before the verses we're reading, is the church began that day. It's the day of Pentecost. And if you go all the way back to the beginning of the chapter, we find that the Holy Spirit came as promised. As the the, the disciples, the apostles, the believers were waiting... Uh, As they'd been promised, and the Holy Spirit came upon the people. Peter got up after that. Those who believed, he came on. And then Peter preached the message, and 3,000 people responded and believed and received Christ. And were baptized that day. And then we get here to verse 41. Those who accepted his message were were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to the number that day. Verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. So they devoted themselves to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Let's stop there. Devoted themselves. That simply has in mind to to have uh, or to continue doing something with intense effort. It's like anything you're going to succeed at, anything you undertake, you, you pick at your job, your family, your marital relationship, your relationship as parents to your kids or grandkids, uh, if you go to school, your academic success. Um, If you're in athletics, how well you do as a member of that team. If you happen to be a musician, how well you do with that instrument. It all takes effort. It will take devotion. You must be devoted to the guitar, the drums, the keyboard, whatever that may be, if you're going to be any good at it. And just like any of those things we just talked about, the believers there in the church on the first day and, and beyond were told they devoted themselves to fellowship. We understand that as they did that, it, uh, it took a lot of effort on their parts. It gave intense effort is what was involved. It took persistence, sometimes despite difficulty to keep going that's the idea of devoted themselves devoted themselves to fellowship now what is that well it means to have something in common it means to share what you had in common because you have something in common It's a partnership. It's participation in that which is common to your relationship. It's a close association. The word communion is what we're talking about. The word community comes from this idea of fellowship. But this sharing, this kind of fellowship that we're talking about, about as existing between those who shared in common the person of Jesus Christ, those who by faith had received Jesus as the forgiver of their sins, as their Messiah, as their Savior. Their fellowship, their partnership together in the person of Christ, their sharing in common because of their faith in Christ, was above and beyond the relationship or the friendship itself. It had everything to do with the person of Jesus. It wasn't because just of the human friendship. It was because of the commonality of the person of Jesus Christ in their lives. Now this morning, it's just like last week. We talked about worship. I cannot. Make anybody here worship. We can have the best keyboardist, the best celloist. Is that how you say it, Craig? Cellist, Celloist? whatever. Ch- cellist. I, all right. Sorry, I'm obviously not a cellist. We can have the best drums, guitar, whatever. But they can't make you worship. Only in your heart as you respond to what God has revealed about himself and his word as to who he is and as to what he has done for us and as to what he is still doing for us, only as we respond because our hearts are moved are we going to worship God. We talked about giving. Well, not much, but if we were to talk about giving. Giving is a form of worship. That's right. You, the, the offering plates came by earlier. Some of you use the, the mobile app that we have or, or give online. You give because you've been moved to respond to what God has done. To what you know is true about God as we receive his revelation from the word of God. That's why we give. We don't, I hope you're not giving out of guilt. Because that's not worship. That's just money. And just like we can't make you, I can't make you worship, I can't make you practice community. That's got to come from your heart. That's why it's always a concern of ours when When we have an auditorium full of people like we do today, I have to believe that you're here because God wants you to be here. But I'm sure because I know at times over my years of life, sometimes I'm just here because it's Sunday. And that's what you do on Sunday. You show up in the building that we call church all the while forgetting that no it's not really the building that's the church it's the people that are in it that are the church but we come and just put in our appearance because we feel we're supposed to do that we've been taught that we are and and it's important but sometimes we come and our hearts are still home and and if that's the case the togetherness the fellowship the sharing in common our faith in Jesus Christ with one another is just going to be kind of meaningless but you know what happens many times then in churches all across america and around the world god's people gather together when they come that way it just you know if because my heart's not in it but i come anyway then I can tend to be critical of what does happen with God's people. And, well, I need to go to another gathering somewhere. I need to go with uh, another uh, service at a different church building, a different gathering of people with a different name because something must be wrong at that church. I, I wasn't challenged. I wasn't engaged. I wasn't stirred. Can I say all of that has to do with your own heart before God? Just like worship. And when we talk about community, sometimes it can just be that Sunday thing, right? And if it is, it doesn't matter if we have a three-ring circus up on the... You know, they always talk about the elephant in the room. Wouldn't it be cool if we had the elephant here? But even if we did, That doesn't move your heart like the Spirit of God must. And as we talk about growing deep in that relationship, that's the work of the Spirit of God as we share in common the person of Jesus Christ and our faith in Him. That's where it comes from. And then we read here in Acts chapter 2, they did, the believers... As time went on, as the first church got rolling and, and as they met together, and we, we they did share their possessions with one another, we're told. But for the church, the primary meaning of community, of fellowship, was the sharing of ideas and attitudes and purposes and the mission that they <clears throat> had been had been given their faith, sharing of values and common beliefs, and all of that led to the sharing of resources because it was at the heart of who they were that drove them to be together. The idea of fellowship, the idea of community, of sharing anything that reflects our new relationship because of our common faith in Jesus Christ. Sharing anything because of that relationship that we have with one another founded on the person of Jesus Christ and all that he's done for us. And as we read through Acts chapter 2, we find that the church was a very close-knit community built on Jesus. We're talking about continual unwavering, resolute, determined, tenacious, gritty, relentless, intense commitment to the person of Jesus Christ and His body of individuals that we call the church. Look at verse 43, back to Acts chapter 2. Everyone was filled with awe. At the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together. And had everything in common. Why why was that the case? Because of Jesus. He was the driving force. The motivating factor. It wasn't just because they all were a bunch of likable people. It was Jesus that had changed their lives. Verse 45, they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Wow. I mean, people, can you imagine that? That's, in a sense, some, some of what's behind our deacon's fund. <clears throat> when we celebrate together the Lord's Supper, communion, communion, and, and at the end of that, we take what we call a deacon's fund. It's an offering that we use to minister to our people who are struggling for whatever reason. Or to, or to minister to people that our people are ministering to do who have material and financial and physical needs. But look at this. This is what was going on. They sold their property and possessions and gave to anyone who had need. Verse 46, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together, ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And it's no wonder that we read as Luke ends chapter 2, verse 47, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Because the people loved one another. It showed. And it was attracting. The Spirit of God was bringing conviction into the hearts of people about their sin and about the person of Jesus Christ. And and people were responding and they wanted to be there. The Lord added daily to the number of those who were being saved. Man, oh man. Hey, write down. We're not going to take the time that to jump into Philippians chapter 2 and the first five verses, Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 to 5. But write it down and check it out later. And just see, as Paul was talking to the church at Philippi, what what he said was true of them, what they needed to be true of them, what, what they as a church as individuals that made up the body of believers there in Philippi, how they were supposed to think and how they were supposed to act. I mean, verse verse 5 tells us that in your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. What is that? They had the same mindset of... Christ Jesus in their relationships with one another that's being more like Jesus right it's there that's community it was unique so how do we do this how do we help how do we grow deep in our relationships with one another well we do it by three different things and I'm going to share those this morning connecting with one another You're going to be together, and and I cannot, I can describe for you what's here, but again, I cannot motivate you to see the, the power of God's people being together and sharing in common the person of Jesus Christ. It's got to be the spirit of God that moves your heart. And that's been a, my prayer. And Paul and I prayed this morning. That was our prayer together. Because this is such a beautiful, unique thing that God has put together our relationship with one another as men and women who know Christ, and as we gather together, and and I hope that you understand that means it goes beyond just the time that we have together on a Sunday morning. About three hours' worth of time together. If that's all it is, and it must be that way across our country. I just got some details. Every year, George Barna, who is a, a great Christian researcher puts out all kinds every year he puts out the state of the church I just got a brief synopsis this last week about the state of the church in 2020 there are some encouraging things but most of those things that he shares are not encouraging because it's people who miss the value of what God's church is all about and the sharing in common that we can do, how we can be one with each other and how we are one with each other because of what Christ has done. But connecting with one. or If we're going to be together, we've got we've to be connected. We've got to be committed to being together. And, and there's a, a verse that you may know, um, uh, found a couple of them in Hebrews chapter 10 verses 24 and 25. Hebrews chapter 10 verses 24 and 25. And the writer of the book of Hebrews says it this way, let us consider how we, the writer's talking to those of us who know Jesus, who are sharing in common faith in Jesus Christ. So he says, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Spencer, thank you. Wow, there it is. Let's not give up meeting together. It's got nothing to do with me. It it really doesn't. If you only come because I'm here, somewhere along the line, you're going to be disappointed terribly. I guarantee it. I just know that. There's only one person I know of that's not disappointed when I come through the front door, and I I hope that's my wife. (laughs) Now, if I've been a jerk before I went to work, maybe she's not real thrilled that I came home, but... But we don't come, I hope you don't come because of me. I hope you don't become because you're ABF leader. I hope you don't participate in community groups because of whoever's leading the discussion. I hope you don't come just because you want your kids in our nursery or heritage kids or uh, in Awana on Wednesday nights or our heritage youth, um, um, whatever. I hope you come, number one, Because you know what the Bible says about the importance of God's people connecting, gathering together. And as the writer of the book of Hebrews says, that we would encourage one another. And all the more, the closer we get to the return of Jesus. And I realize that in our culture and society today, churches, the numbers are are going down everywhere. Oh, there are a few churches that are growing, but really, folks, it is a few. That doesn't mean that we ought not to be doing all that we can to figure this out and be used of God, but the reason that we get together is because of the person of Jesus Christ and we want to share in common with other members of the body of Christ. I hope that is something that moves you to want to be together. But if it's just three hours on a Sunday morning, it, you're, we're still missing the boat. I recognize the culture today is a whole lot different than it was in Acts chapter 2. You say, well, they didn't work like we did. No, that's probably they worked a whole lot more than we did. A lot of these folks were slaves. They didn't get days off. So how do we do that? We connect together as God's people when we celebrate Christ's death on the cross. We call that communion or the Lord's Supper. That's why we've been trying to work harder at really zeroing in on that together, and that's the focus of what we do because of what Jesus did for us. Not having it be an add-on, but it's something that we... Share together in common and remind ourselves of what Jesus did for us. We have planned, we believe so much so in the connecting together. We have already planned for four gatherings, all church meals together over the course of this coming year. The first one will be Easter Sunday morning at about 7.30 down in the fellowship hall. We're going to have our sunrise breakfast. We've been doing that for three or four years now. Please join us. It won't cost you a dime. Well, it will, unless you walk. Because you have to put gas in your car to get here, but the food won't cost you anything. And then we're going to eat again on the first Sunday of June. And then we're going to end the summer. I forget, the one of those... August Sundays, near the end of the month, and we're going to have a church barbecue to celebrate the end of the summer. And then we're going to get together again like we did this last year, just the Sunday before Thanksgiving, and, and, and have a praise together for what God has done. We're going to get together. We're, we're not just doing that so that we can have something on the calendar. We're doing that because we need to be connected together, sharing in common all that Jesus has done. We're going to have Sunday night, March 29th, the first one this year at 530 right here in this auditorium, Sunday evening, time of prayer and worship. We want you to join us, and you're going to be hearing next week especially what we're going to be gathered to pray about. We've already got planned three summer movie nights for God's people to gather together and, and use that as well as an opportunity to reach your friends and just come and see the love that God's people have for one another. We're going to be planning now, as you've already heard, for a year from February, for night to shine. But you know, when we do that, Yes, we're at an outreach, we're looking to tell people who don't know Jesus and show the love of God, but you know what happens is God's people work together, we come together to serve a common purpose. And you know what happens? There's just excitement and there's joy, and there's an amazing spirit just working together. That's what will happen. Sunday mornings are great as we gather together in this auditorium and then the second hour with ABFs and our Heritage Youth and Heritage Kids and all the rest of it. But you know what else is really designed to build and develop the body, the community of God's people here at Heritage is our community groups on a smaller 12 to 14, 10, 12, 14 people basis where they can really dig in. And get up close and personal. Connecting with one another. Opportunities. And then secondly, if we're going to grow deep in our relationship with one another, we must not only connect with one another, we must serve one another. Paul said this in Galatians chapter 6 and verse 10. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Now, what do you think the family of believers would be? You know that. That's not a hard question. The church. That's what Paul was saying. We need, as we have opportunity, let's do good to the family of believers. Paul said in Romans chapter 12, he talked about the body. And he said, For just as each of us has one body with many members, this He's talking about your physical body, one body, many members. There's 10 members right there, and then two hands, there's 12, and and two arms and elbows and shoulders, and you get it? Many members, one body, many members, head and shoulders, knees and toes, right? We could all do that. We won't, though. And those members, these members do not all have the same function. I don't walk around on my hands. I walk on my feet, right? I don't eat with my feet. I eat with my hands, my fingers, grab the knife, fork, and spoon, and cup, or mug, or whatever. And and they, each of those members have have a different function. So, verse 5, in Christ, Romans 12, verse 5, so in Christ we, though many... All of you, we though many, form one body and each member. And here we're not talking about officially having joined this body of believers that we call heritage. We're talking members of the body of believers. Those who know Jesus Christ. They form one body and each member belongs to all the others. We are one together. That's fellowship. That's community. Verse 8, we have different gifts According to the grace given to each of us, God-given special ability to serve. We call them spiritual gifts, grace gifts. That's what Paul is saying. We have different gifts. All of us are gifted. If you know Jesus, you have an ability that God's given you to serve one another. Is that not cool? Nobody, nobody who knows Jesus can sit around and say, I can't do anything. No one. Because God has given you the spirit gift, a gift that that is to be used for the good of the body. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12, that it's for the good of the body. And we all have an ability, at least one. Some of you are very gifted people and ha- can do a lot of things. Well, that's the cool thing about these gifts that the Spirit of God gives us, according to the grace given to us. You see, it's God's grace that empowers that gift to, to, to get the energy and the ability. And you know what's even... I. Better about this whole deal when you exercise that God given grace gift. Guess what? You'll see something happen. You'll see results. You'll see God doing something. It won't be you're wasting your time. It, God will use you to get things done. Why? Because it's His grace at work. Wow! And he goes on and he lists verse. Uh, verse Middle of verse 6 If your gift is prophesying Then prophesy in accordance with your faith If it's serving, serve If it's teaching, teach If it's to encourage, then give encouragement If it's giving, then give generously How can I do that? Because God's Spirit gives you the grace to give This is over and above Just what you and I are supposed to do on a regular basis This is somebody who really gets it And has the ability By the grace given to them To give generously I have a very close friend who I think has the gift of giving. He just, whew, and God's blessed him. I think God blesses people who he knows know how to handle the money that he gives them. And that's generosity. Wow, serving one another. Hey, we just heard on and we need, how many slots we got for the facilities team? Three. We got three slots. I don't know what they are, and I don't know what the need is but I think some of you have been gifted to serve this body by helping clean our facilities. See David right there, right after this service is over because it'll be, it'll be a great thing. Nursery, opportunities to serve, heritage kids, Awana, our kitchen crew, heritage youth. I mean, we, we had you help us with fan zone. Thank you to all of you who gave. Right, David? We got gobs of stuff down there. Man, if I, I could have ate myself under the table sick. <laughs> and I left at halftime. <laughs> We, we take meals. We regularly are providing meals for people who are sick or been in the hospital or just had a baby, which Tony and Victoria Fritch just had twin boys. Man, twins, I don't know, Suze. Asa, there's something in the water, huh? right? Uh, Tony and Victoria, Carson David, 6 pounds, 10 ounces, and Wyatt David, 6 pounds, 9 ounces, born February 7th and uh tony and victoria fritch if you don't, they're in a the legacy class and if you haven't had an opportunity when they get back in they'll, i'm sure they'll be looking for arms for those two t- babies uh, uh, but what what a great thing around the home projects we've been able to help people with ben and marge mcgrew recently we have guys over there all the time doing wow serving one another lastly loving one another wow i'm just going to say this i Jesus said this, you say, why, there's so many, there's over 30 different one another's, there's actually something like 56 or 59 listed throughout the New Testament, but a lot of them are repeated, so there's 30 some, different ones, and and I could talk about all of them, but I picked out three here because I think we've got, if we're going to be the church, we've got to get connected, and we've got to serve one another, And can I also say, folks, I'm sorry to have to say this, but those of you that work with anybody 18 and under on a regular basis, the state of Pennsylvania has a child protection policy that we have to do. And we have a number of people who are all the way done except for this one little three-hour video course. I've done it, all right? So I'm not up here saying, (laughs) I've done it. It's just a blast. It's so much fun. (laughs) But you know what it does? It lets us serve our kids. And you know what else it does? It lets us serve our parents. So there's a lot of you that are that close, one three-hour hour I didn't do it all at once. I don't know how many days, Michelle, I kept saying, Michelle, I'm at number two. Because they're broken up into like nine or ten sections. I'm at number 4 Woohoo! And then some of them are really long. But three hours. By the way, I also took the survey that Scott talked to. We've been talking nine minutes. Not because I'm smart. Seriously. that Nine minutes online. So anyway, help us out there. But there it is. And, and as we talk about this, you've heard us talk about John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35. This is what Jesus said to his disciples. The new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Jesus said, People will know that you are a follower of Jesus by the way you love each other. Not people who don't know Jesus. Not love your enemies. That's another whole issue. We ought to love our enemies. And when we do, that will show something. But that's not what Jesus said here. He says here, by the way you love each other as members of the body, people will say, wow. Wow. Those people, there's something different about them. They they have to be followers of Jesus. That's proof positive. The way we love one another. That's, hey, that's what Jesus said. A distinguishing characteristic of you and I who are members of the body of the church is that we love one another and people will notice which means also we've got to be together you can't love each other by yourself right won't work that way i I, write down galatians chapter 6 you're taking notes write down galatians chapter 6 verses 1 and 2 and then write down hebrews chapter 3 verses 12 and 13 This is what the writer of the Hebrews says. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. He's talking to believers who turn away from the living God, who fall away. They don't lose their salvation. But encourage one another daily, as long as it's called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Listen, if you really love one another and you see somebody as a believer straying away fading away walking away turning away is what the writer of the book of hebrews says you go talk to them you encourage them and if we really love one another can anybody don't raise your hand i i I should yeah i mean I, i guarantee there's probably and everybody here who knows jesus probably has a friend or a relative who at one point began to walk away or, or move away, uh, had a sinful, unbelieving heart, and turns away from the living God. And if you do, go get them. Encourage them. Why? Because you love them. If you really love them, that's what we ought to do. God, thank you for Jesus. Oh, Lord, the being gathered together is such an amazing, unique, special thing. Community, fellowship, the common bond that we have because of Jesus. Almost indescribable. Oh, I pray that everyone here who knows Jesus, who's part of the body of believers at this place that we call Heritage God, would you help us to know and experience firsthand what it means to have this amazing thing called community, fellowship, sharing Jesus and with others, all that we have. Oh, God, don't let us sit back and just be grumpy about the church or show up on a Sunday morning to gather with God's people and forget we left our heart at home. God, don't let that happen. move us, stir our hearts for the glory of God. so that people will see our light and point to God. I know, Father, that there are people hurting here today. They've had a really, really miserable, lousy week. God, would you use us Your people to encourage one another, to love one another. And Lord, I know there's people who aren't here today because they've turned away, they're struggling. The devil's after him. He's out to devour them and destroy them. God, use us to show the love of God and encourage one another to walk with you. Oh, God, would you help us as your church here at Heritage, to be all that you design us to be so that people all around will see that love and know that Jesus is here, that we are following him. For it's in Christ's name I pray.